Wait, are you ready for this? Let me read you guys something right now. So this is from Stern Pinballs. This is from their manual, and this is how Stern Pinball describes its playfield warranty. Stern Pinball machines are assembled in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, USA. Stern Pinball has inspected each game element to ensure it meets our quality standards. Each pinball machine has unique characteristics that make it one-of-a-kind American-made product. Each will have variations in appearance resulting from differences in the machine's particular wood parts, individual printed art, and mechanical assemblies. No playfield is perfectly flat and varies depending on the season. Gameplay will result in playfield dimpling as the harder steel ball contacts the wood and coating. Over time, multiple dimples will blend to make them less noticeable. Normal plastic insert crazing, tiny stress cracks, and ghosting, small cloudy areas around insert edges are often seen in pinball machines due to a combination of plastic mold stress, pushing of inserts into purposely undersized holes, and heating and breaking of inserts plastic skin when the playfield is sanded. Okay, so that is Stern's manual on what you can expect when you buy a Stern pinball machine uh, from them, and that is how they stand behind their playfield quality. Now, as of this week, new owners of Jersey Jack Pinball's Willy Wonka machines are opening their games to find the following letter inside, and I wanna read that to you now. And let's see if we can find any similarities to what Stern has said in their language. Your Jersey Jack pinball machine was hand-assembled at our factory in Lakewood, New Jersey, USA. Jersey Jack Pinball has inspected each game element to ensure that it meets our quality standards. Each pinball machine has unique characteristics that make it a one-of-a-kind American-made product. Each playfield and cabinet will have slight variations in appearance resulting from unique characteristics in that machine's individual wooden parts. Cabinet and back box panels, playfield top, bottom surfaces, and playfield back panel. Distinct printed artwork and metal plastic assemblies. No playfield is perfectly that. They will vary from season to season and the specific batch of plywood used to manufacture them. Gameplay will result in playfield dimpling and hardening, steel ball impacting softer pliable wood, and coatings will inevitably cause them. Over time and many games played, the dimples will blend into one another, making them less noticeable. Plastic insert crazing, tiny stress cracks, and ghosting small cloudy areas near the edges are typically seen in pinball playfields. They are common side effect of the playfield manufacturing process caused by a combination of plastic mold stress, forcing inserts into intentionally undersized holes and heating, smoothing of the inserts surface as the playfield is sanded flat. I can't believe I am reading what is almost word for word the stern verbiage. The language is almost 100% exactly the same. And now this is what we're getting from Jersey Jack Pinball as the response to what people have been having with their playfield issues. I'm really ready to just throw the mic over my shoulder 
and just sort of walk away from this hobby because it is incredible to me that they want to pass off this bogus language as a response to what people are experiencing in their games right now. You know what you didn't hear once? Not one mention in any of this language from either manufacturer. Clear coat. The clear coat, whether it's soft or hard, whether it will puddle or crack or bend or post sinking into the clear. Those are the issues people are having of clear coat lifting up and taking the artwork with it. There's no mentions of that. And remember that that stern language came out when people were nervous about the amount of dimples and craters they were seeing in their games because they didn't experience dimpling like that ever before in pinball games. But the fact that Jersey Jack is taking almost word for word Stern's language has me very concerned for a few reasons. One is, does Stern even know that Jersey Jack just hijacked their warranty language and is just repeating it? Are both companies working together to try to mitigate what is a big issue in the hobby right now? And are they sort of like locking arms and saying, hey, we're, this is it. This is our stance on this, that this is normal. That if you buy a pinball machine for us for this much money, you can expect these things. And we're also not going to address the monkey in the room, which is the fact that none of these things that they describe in this language is what's happening to people's games. I, 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 I'm really, really frustrated. And I know some people want me to move on from this topic. Move on from this topic. Yeah, I could, I could do like top five reasons why Dave and Buster's is revolutionary and groundbreaking, you know, and then talk about it for an hour. No, I'm not going to move on from this topic. I think this is absolutely inane that this is what we're getting. Here's the other part. Jack is back. Jack is now no longer on vacation. He came back early. He's now back in the country. I know he told This Week in Pinball he wouldn't be back to September 8th. Apparently, his trip was cut short, very short, and maybe it's to try and handle this issue in crisis. But the fact that games are still going to customers without a solution in place, and now they are using this kind of language, they're stealing Stern's language, or they're the exact same verbiage. Don't you see the problem here? Do they think we're this stupid? Like we're not going to figure this out? You know, and 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 there's no solve. That's the other part that has me just like I can't believe they're talking to us and A they're not admitting there's a problem. They're not saying they've solved the problem. They're not telling us how many games were affected. All they are doing is saying this is normal wear and tear on pinball and you might, you know, nothing is perfect in pinball. And I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. I knew we would reach a point in which this hobby would collide between what home collectors want and what operators and tournament players uh, get in pinball. You know, because there's different, you can't, you know, trying to make a product that satiates both. You know, it's really easy to make a product for operators and for tournament players. They don't care if there's dimpling. They don't care if there's chipping. They don't care about anything other than the fact that the game is running. You know, keeping the game mint and beautiful is not a desire of a tournament player or of an operator at all. But for a home buyer, it means everything. They buy these games for so much money, they now own it. They want it to be higher quality. And the problem is this. 
for so many years, these companies have gotten away with making what is still, still, from a cost-cutting measure, a product designed for location play, a product that was designed for decades for operators, and a product in which you know most people who casually play pinball are okay with the majority of defects that occur in a pinball machine, but the problem is for the home buyer, the guys like you and I, the collectors, the new inbox people that are being asked to pay anywhere from like six to $13,000 for these games, that's not good enough. Imagine buying a car in which you got a letter from the manufacturer saying there are there could be paint defects. No paint, no no painting, no two cars are painted the same and you might have depending on the time of year your car was painted, the paint might chip off. Would you buy that car if you got a note like that from the manufacturer? Absolutely not. Right? And I equate it to this. There's a difference between the way you treat the car you own. Listen to this right now. This is the perfect metaphor. The way you treat the car you own and the way you approach a car and treat a car that you rent from Hertz, right? When you go rent a car, do you care that it's got a scratch on it? Do you care that it might not be in perfect condition? Do you care about it as much? Do you care about even how you drive it, right? You, 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 you're more likely to beat on something that's not yours for the weekend than you are your own car that you want to take care of. And that's what's happening with pinball. You know, games on location are like rent-a-cars. They're, they're just there for you to show up to and put your money in and you can beat on it as much as you want. Ever see tournament players and how they treat machines on locations? Uh, you know, like wrestling them around. So I've, I've watched guys like slamming machines against other machines. They don't give a crap about that game. They don't care that, that the game might have like significant defects in the play field or chipping here and there. The, the shooter lane looks like a, you know, a, 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 a black butthole after like a month. They don't care about any of that. They don't care about any of that. You know, and maybe that's, and I'm not saying like that's wrong. Like why should they, right? Why should they care about something that is just in front of them for amusement's sake? And that's always what pinball was supposed to be. But about six or seven years ago when the shift happened, when these games started going from being $3,500 toys into six to $13,000 collectibles and high-end items, these are high-priced toys, people's expectations that the quality would be suitable enough for home-use environment. And what the ultimate killer for people is, is they have games made in the 90s in their home collections that aren't experiencing any of these issues. So I know I've been beating this over and over and over again, but I can't believe that this is the response. This just goes to show me that these companies don't have your back. They are not hitting pause on the assembly line until they find the solution here. It would be very convenient for Canada to just shut up about this. Unfortunately for them, the number one pinball podcast is the one who keeps talking about it. You know, and I give my other pinball podcasters out there credit. More and more of them are talking about this issue, but but we're still not getting an answer. We're still not getting a solution. We're we're simply getting more bullshit. I don't want to curse. We're getting spin. We are getting spin, and we are being treated like this. Like I want you to buy my product. If something goes wrong with it, that's a playfield issue with clear coat. Uh, it's really up in the air what we're going to do for you. But if that issue happens, and I know it's a huge issue for you, we might not support you and have your back. So that's where we're at. Friday, 
what is it, August like 30th or something, of 29th, whatever it is, right now, you are on your own. You are on your own until these guys want to directly answer the question. They're like politicians, these answers. Answer the question, Stern. Answer the question, Jersey Jack Pinball. What are you going to do to solve the clear coat issues that have affected games that have shipped over the last year? What will you do for customers who have clear coat that's chipping off their games that are coming right out of a box with barely any plays? What are you going to do for them? Okay? Is that is that an unfair question? Come tell us the truth. We can handle the truth. Come out and tell us we can't afford to send out fully populated play fields. Okay. Okay. So then think of another solution. So anyone who has experienced this problem, we will give you maybe a discount on your next purchase with us. Think of something, but don't give us this, you know, completely like cut and paste job response from both companies. I'm really curious if Stern knows Jersey Jack is using exactly their language. I, I I can't imagine they would. I can't imagine. I think this might get Jersey Jack in a little bit of legal trouble. You you can't go and plagiarize. I mean, it's plagiarism. You can't plagiarize someone else's warranty like that, can you? Or is that a standard warrant? It, it, seems, there, it seems like there's language in there that's very specific, though to how Stern wants to position its company, you know, made in the USA and this and that, and no two things are perfect, and they basically hijacked Stern's language. I, I think there could be, I don't know, I think they could be in some hot water here for that, and I think Stern might be pissed off that they did that, unless they're working together on it, which I just doubted that they would. Um, you know, Spooky Pinball fixed the problem. I, I know, look, I know Spooky had a big trouble with TNA. I know that. People have hit me up be like, "Chris, you're 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 painting Spooky as heroes, but they also like they were really struggling with the TNA issue and they were. Absolutely they were. And they didn't handle it properly at first, and they're a tiny company and they had a huge crisis. But let me tell you something. They caught it on TNA. They fixed it 100% for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Jersey Jack caught it on Pirates of the Caribbean. They did not fix it for Willy Wonka. And now we're getting Stern's Stern's language sent to us in a Jersey Jack letter. And I'm not supposed to throw the mic over my shoulder. I'm just supposed to enjoy the pinball hobby. Come on, guys. I mean, I love this hobby. I love this hobby. And this is a really unfortunate thing. I wasn't thinking of even uh, that this, this would even be an issue this August and, and going into September. It, it's not. I don't want to talk about this on every show. But they've not solved the problem. So what are we supposed to do? And as a member of the pinball media, which I know is such a funny word, uh, but I think we have an obligation to talk about these things because it's, 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 it's affecting you. And, and here's the thing. They listen to this podcast. And let me tell you another thing. If you think this podcast does not have influence, let me tell you something right now. Mike at Automated, here's what I heard. Mike at Automated had 175 Willy Wonka orders, right? 100 people, I heard, canceled their orders. 100 people canceled their orders. All right? What is that? Just, just I, I would assume, like, let's say some of them are collector's editions, some of them are LEs, some are SEs. 100 people, on average, who canceled Jersey Jack order. That's $900,000 
in orders that have been canceled. And why do you think people are canceling their Willy Wonka orders? It's not because of the code. It's because of this. It's because why would you buy right now until they've solved this problem? Why would you? You are knowingly entering into a nightmare situation potentially. You might not have issues. You might have issues. You know, Dr. Frightener, my friend Larry, is like, Chris, you're like a broken record. I thought you were the best pinball podcast out there, and, and I don't tune in to hear about clear codes. Yeah, you do. You're listening to this right now, Larry, because you know you know this is what people are talking about, and you know this is the topic we need to discuss. And I think all of you out there should continue to listen to my advice and don't buy anything until you hear from these manufacturers what the solution is. Not this like, oh, this is just pinball, accept it. And this is what I'm saying. This hobby was never designed to make home use products for people. It's a location-based game. It always was. 20 years ago, if there was some chips around the post, nobody cared. And Adam's family could still make an operator tens of thousands of dollars. He did not care about those games. That's why if you look at the condition of games um, from that era after, you know, after they were on location, they were far more beat up than anything in someone's home. But now you got one little chip by a post and the world is ending. But that's the difference between home ownership and location games. You need to make radically different qualities for each. Like you could even make a location-based game with, with crappy or everything. And, and who, no one would care as long as a game works. As long as it works and everything functions, you don't need to have as high-end stuff. Like how stupid is it to have like expensive decals on a location-based game that's going to be shoved in between other games? And you're never going to see the decals. So you could save the money there. You know, there's other things you could probably save money on because you just don't need it, right? The complex mechanisms may not be necessary. We see Stern Pros being the operator's choice. Less to break. Games in play more. People will play it. People, less maintenance. That's my go-to for, for a location-based game. All right. All right. Wow. Well, I'll tell you this. A Big Lebowski sold. Not mine. Someone sold theirs. Uh, don't know what the price was. It was definitely more than $12,500. I'm supposed to talk to the, uh, the seller on Canada's Pinball Podcast. We're trying to line up a time. Uh, so, yeah. Going to be curious to see how all that went down. Uh, and, you know, I'm just curious to see what, what someone who uh, flipped one for a profit, uh, you know, thinks about the whole thing. But I think, you know, he told me already what I've always experienced with selling games for profits and that he's happy, the buyer's happy, and everyone goes on their merry way without, you know, and everyone else on the sidelines will criticize. But that's just always the reality. But you know that this is a special, unique game. So I want to ask about, you know, how does it feel to sell something that actually belonged to someone else? You know, is there anything else going on in the pinball world? I want to go play Jurassic Park this weekend. It's been too long. It's at Sunshine. Uh, I've been waiting to play it. I just have not had time to get over there. It's a holiday weekend. It's a long weekend. A weekend in which many of you are going to be with your friends and families at barbecues, having beers, playing some pinball. Enjoy every moment of it. Life is very short. I know we get very hyper-focused on these pinball things. And I have to say, you know, more and more as I go through these issues, the less and less desire I have to buy these things, the less and less desire I have to like collect these games and need them in my home. Because think about it like this. If you just decide not to buy pinball games and find friends who have them or locations that have them, think of the peace of mind you'll have. A game you never buy will never have any playfield issues. 
a game you never buy will never have unfinished code. And you can probably find within this community uh, people near you that have the stuff and locations that have it. And I do. I think that buying these things now uh, can often be more of a headache for people than create moments of joy and pleasure. Now look, there's still so many games that are problem-free. And we have to be balanced on this podcast. Stern sells around 10,000 games a year. There's no way every game is having the issue. You know, I think they will find a solution to the problem. But they haven't yet. And that's my issue is they're still making games that potentially could have this issue. So they do need to design better tests at the factory to test for the playfield qualities. They need to do that. Jersey Jack needs to do that. Jersey Jack seems to be scrambling a lot more than Stern on this one because they knew about the issues with Pirates and they make less games and higher end games. And let's just for a minute just fully be honest. Jersey Jack's number one customer is the home buyer. It's not the operators, right? It's the home buyer. I heard from a friend of mine who bought a Willy Wonka and he played it for like a few weeks and he said, Chris, I got to say, this game was so ill-conceived. And I was like, why? He's like, well, look, it's it's fun to shoot. It's all this and that. It's great. You know, it's a great theme. He's like, but Pat Lawler designed this game for location play. And yet everyone who will buy this game is wants to put it in their home. And so Pat Lawler designed it for short ball times for operators. Like he said, like the ball literally comes down. Anytime the ball is at the top of the play field, it comes down and it wants to drain straight down the middle. Like he designed it so it would come out of areas and and be heading for a drain. And only like super great players have to keep slapping the machine to save it. And he said to me, he's like, it's so stupid. I, I spent all this money on a game and in the home environment, I can't enjoy it and get deep into the game because it's way too hard and frustrating because it was designed to make operators money. And he's like, why would you design a game to make operators money when the target buyer of this game is a home buyer, a home collector, a new inbox, home use only kind of player? And it just goes to show is like, so, you know, that's just bad strategy when you make a game that's not designed for the people who are actually going to buy it. It's like you make a game for someone you want to buy it, but who most likely won't even buy it still because it's you can still make more money on a, on a Jurassic Park Pro than an operator would make on a Willy Wonka like LE. You just would. I know they have the standard edition Wonkas now, but I'm just saying, that's why they did it. They want to start competing with the operator market. All right, so anyway... Anyway, let's read some emails. I hope this problem gets solved. Larry, I'm sorry. You can go listen to the other pinball podcasts that are out there. I'm sure they'll talk about other stuff, but I know we're talking about this. Let's read some of your emails and some of your notes. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. I'm opening up Canada's Pinball. Pinball at gmail.com. What should I do this weekend? Should I go take the demon for a ride? All right, here we go. Let's see. Playfield issues. I'm trying to see August. I'm trying to see some recent ones. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, Dan Roth. This is interesting. Pat Lawler and part numbers on everything. He said, Canada, just quick note. Pat Lawler does the part number on everything as an old school nod to operators. 
In the Bally Williams days of the past, an operator never had to have the manual or anything to find a replacement for things that broke a lot, playfield plastics being the main item. So when Lawler does it on the machines for Jersey Jack, this is actually not there for the collector or home use only owners, but for the hardworking operators trying to make a living running a coin-op route and keeping pinball alive in the eyes of John Q. Public. I get that people think it's stupid to have the flow of the artwork interrupted by some random numbers, but in the past, this has saved countless operators countless hours of looking crap up before they call their distributor. I listen to your podcast to stay informed on all things pinball, but remember, the origin of pinball was to make a buck by putting coin-op on route. Let's help everyone to try and remember that. Keep up the good work. Well, Dan, thank you for this note. It's actually, this is perfectly aligned with with our subject matter today. And I agree with you. But here's the thing, Dan, is this is why I also think putting the numbers on everything. And he puts the numbers on the cabinet artwork, on the toppers, on everything. It is stupid now. I get that it made sense. But people who buy for their home They're not operators. They don't need that stuff. They don't want it. They don't want it. You have to give your customer what they want. You know, nobody wants... See, I mean, see, Pat thinks... Pat's living in the past. He's just living in the past. He's like, okay, so this is a nod to operators. I'm going to keep doing it. Okay, so I don't know. Does that... Does that become part of the story now if you're looking at your game and it looks unfinished because the numbers are all over everything? Or, or do you do you like that because you can walk around your machine and tell people, see, part number 71 is the left sa- cabinet side art. It's not a mistake. It's Pat Lawler paying homage to the operators and how he helped them, you know, find their replacement parts quickly. I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence, Dan. But what I would do if I were Jersey Jack is I would listen to what my customers wanted and I would make that. That's just the... F- place you should start and finish when you make pinball decisions. All right, let's go on here. I got an email from Zach. Zach Sharp. All right, so this was four days ago. I emailed Zach about the play field issues. He just emailed back what he put on TWIP, and I wrote back to Zach. I said, and those for newly purchased uh, Jurassic Parks that have chunks of clear missing, how will Stern handle have you seen some of the images? I sent that to Zach on Monday, August 26. I have yet to hear back from Zach an answer on that question. So we'll see if he gets me an answer back. All right. So I got an email from Damien about CGC Playfield Chipping. Hey, Canada. I'm a recent follower to your show. And while listening to your episode 200 podcast, I had an idea I wanted to bring to your attention. Episode 200, like that's that's a long time ago. As you may have heard, one major, wait, hold on guys. No, sorry, 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 sorry. This is from February 11th because I was like, wait, episode 200. I got a new email from him, but it came up as like the response to that one. Okay, so this is the new one from a day ago. Damien says, was listening to your last podcast about the playfield issues. Everyone thinks this is a more recent problem, but I can tell you with certainty that it goes back a bit. If you look at my last email to you, I was telling you about the clear coat chipping issues that many were having with Chicago Gaming Company. Shortly after that experience, I purchased a new inbox dialed in, and within a week, 
I noticed scratches along the playfield that looked as though a small animal with sharp nails had been running around on it. I understand all games will have ball swirls, but these were lines that cut into the clear and you could feel by running your fingernail gently across the playfield. Jersey Jack put me in touch with Mirko, who rudely went on the defense and said there's nothing wrong with his playfields. JJP did something really awesome to make my walk away from this a happy customer, but the Mirko bit left a bad taste in my mouth. Fast forward a year or two, I end up with a restored medieval madness. When I get home, I took it off I took off the apron. I noticed it was a Mirko playfield. The game had barely been played after the restoration. However, there was pooling around some star post, and the more troubling issue was that their clear was actually cracking and lifting around the outlane post. I looked at it yesterday, and the issue around the outlane post has worsened as it is now an air pocket. Luckily, this is towards the outside of the lane, but imagine in time, this only becomes a bigger problem. I refuse to buy Jersey Jack Pinball simply because of the Mirko playfields. If they ever decided to change manufacturers or do it in-house, I'll definitely give their games another chance. Chicago Gaming Company has lost my business due to this piss-poor way that they handled my case. Stern, I will still buy, but I'm starting to get cold feet. The dimpling I see on my new inbox Batman 66 and Maiden are totally unacceptable. I have a Lord of the Rings and the Simpsons pinball party with many more years of play on them, and there isn't a single dimple. All right, let me let me re- repeat that again. There isn't a single dimple on this man's Lord of the Rings or Simpsons pinball party. He then says, F Steve Ritchie and any pinside fanboy that makes excuses for this or tries to convince people that this has always been with us. We pay exorbitant amounts of cash for these games, and the least we can do is request the quality they delivered 10 years ago. Peace out, Damien8. Well, Damien, thank you. I was really shocked when Stern put the king, the guy who knows everything about pinball, they propped up Steve Ritchie and had him basically lie to us about dimples, about how it's 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 amazing to me that, that he did that even. Um, and the, the, the levels they'll go, that's the thing, the levels they'll go to try to convince you of something that's just not true. Something has changed. All right, I got an email from Doug Maher about the playfield problem reactions by manufacturers. Hey, Chris, I think we are experiencing here with the lack of any real solutions to the playfield problems currently plaguing Stern and JJP is that they are stuck in the past. A lot has changed in a very short time in the industry. Not too long ago, New in-box games were nearly all purchased by on-location operators instead of home collectors. On-location games were never scrutinized the way they are by a new in-box collector. So manufacturers have never had to deal with issues like this. In the not-so-distant past, little defects that didn't affect gameplay were normal and just part of it. Now you have a completely different customer base, more new in-box home collectors than ever before, and older manufacturers do not know how to deal with warranty claims like these. This is all new to them. I know JJP is relatively newer manufacturer compared to Stern, but Jack was a distributor for Stern well before he started JJP. So the mentality here is the same as Stern's. He never had to deal with as many new in-box home collectors as he, he is now. 
they do not have a solution because there never needed to be a solution when problems like this came up. Operators didn't care about tiny little playfield defects. Now you have a customer base that does, and these guys want answers that don't exist. That explains exactly why Jack pushed his response back a few weeks. The traveling in Europe thing was just an excuse. He has no solution. All right, Doug, wow. I think you said exactly what I've been trying to say on this podcast far more eloquently and and you articulated it perfectly. And I couldn't agree more with what you said. I think they have no solutions, okay? I got an email from Kevin Clements, Tokyo Trip and Pinball. Hey, Chris, I've really been enjoying your podcast these past few weeks. Agree 100% that the industry can and should be going much further in terms of magic under glass and hope that new blood to the industry can bring the passion and innovation that I'm hearing in the Roger Sharp interview with Mr. Williams. Keith certainly is on a roll, and I like what I'm hearing so far from his head-to-head interview. Hopefully, he continues to push the envelope with his next title. Anyway, here you're heading to Japan. I'm headed over there in three weeks for work with my wife, and I'm thrilled to check out Tokyo and the surrounding areas. All right. He asked if we have any must-sees and this and that. Okay. So, like, uh, I will get back to you about the Tokyo trip, Kevin. But then he goes on to say this. I think you may have misinterpreted the last point made when reading off the email from the industry painter in California. He was saying that hefty fines are incurred if they are caught importing the VOC-emitting paints and coatings, but believe that means in their raw, unused state, i.e. the paint in the can, um, there there would be no fine or issue if oil-based paints were applied to products made outside of these regulated states and then imported into California. My point being that a playfield supplier could hypothetically set up shop in a less regulated location like Montana or China and use the tried and true clear coding process of the good old days no problem. Sounds like that could be a solution. My other thought is around the posts themselves. Clearly they are exerting a downward force on the clear which is causing the rippling chipping. Couldn't the manufacturers either not screw down the post as far or change the hardware to have longer threading? Uh, if the posts don't exert as much downward force, wouldn't that prevent the rippling even with the water-based clear they are using? Look, here's the thing. Um, Kevin, first of all, thank you. Um, look, I, all I know is this. All I know is this. Charlie Emery has found a solution. Charlie Emery, I believe, is in Benton, Wisconsin. Charlie Emery is screwing his posts in the way they should be screwed in. Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle looks perfect. So someone needs to find out what Charlie Emery is doing. And he's doing it here in America. He doesn't have to ship it to China. And so, I, I don't know. I don't know. The solution is out there. It sounds like the solution is going to cost people money and time. They have to stop production and figure it out. And they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. And it's a lot cheaper to do a printout note of a, of a, of a plagiarized Stern manual warranty claim in your new Willy Wonka machine than it is to actually hit pause on the line. I mean, I hate saying this stuff. I mean, I, I, I want these companies to be successful, uh, and this is not helping their sales. It is only going to hurt their sales, but they just they, it's in their court. The ball's in their court. They're asking us for money, and as, as customers, I think we demand stuff that doesn't have these kinds of issues, and I think that's fair. 
right? I can already hear like Ed Robertson being like, enough, Canada, enough. I'm going to go play my my uh, my Supreme Pinball Machine. <laughs> Ed, I love you, brother. I love you. And that's just the thing, guys. Have a great weekend. There's a lot of other good stuff going on. There are most of the pinball machines out there are not having these issues. I recommend you play your pinball machines. You enjoy them. And don't, you know, don't let this kill your enjoyment of the hobby. We're going to get answers on this and then we're going to move on. I'll say this. My final point will be this. It is a golden opportunity now for Deep Root to strike. This is it. This is it. Deep Root, apparently Deep Root is not going to have any of these issues. And they have rethought pinball. And what excites me the most about Deep Root is this. Uh, They are going to imagine how to build a pinball machine in present day with newer manufacturing techniques, with newer approaches. You know, when you lift up a pinball machine, it still looks like something from 20, 30 years ago. You can't tell me that there's no there's no way to advance how a pinball machine is assembled from that. The thing is, Stern has just always been doing it that way. And so Stern just scaled up an old approach, right? They scaled up an old approach. And, and, and that is why, you know, Stern is able to make so many games, right? And, and it's great that they ship 10,000 games a year, but they haven't really modernized very much the making of a pinball machine. And so Deep Root, knowing what they know, knowing that they could start from scratch in, in, in like the year 2016 and think about from the ground up, how can we make this thing so it's easier to maintain, so it doesn't have play field wear, so there's more magic in the toys, so the artwork is better, so the displays are, are incredible, so the animations are improved. They can look at every single aspect of a machine, and we know Robert is a huge, 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 huge 1990s Bally Williams fan. So you got to believe that he's aiming for that, that he wants to bring the magic back, but in a modern way that's going to do what no one else is doing in pinball right now. That is the ca- That is the check that he has on the table. Now, will it cash come this November when we see Raza? But I'm saying this, all these defects and all these problems and all these customers holding on to their money, what a perfect time for Deep Root. I told Robert, now is the time I would show something. Just show something because you have... All these people canceling their orders and holding on to their dollars. I would wait. Look, it's September. September, October, November. Why not just wait three months, everybody, and see what Deep Root does? You could either do that, which I would do, or you could go buy the last Houdinis on the line. Nobody's going to do that. Um, I would wait and just see what they're going to show you. Because if you wait to November, not only will you get to see what Deepert has in store, you'll also get to see Elvira, right, and see what that's all about. Uh, and you best believe Stern is going to solve this problem. So I don't think games shipping in November will have this playfield issue that we're having now. I don't think the games now are going to solve the problem. I think because they've already ordered all those batches of playfields, they're gonna they're gonna send them to you. Trust me, they're gonna do it. And just wait, isn't it? Doesn't it feel liberating that Canada is telling you, hold on to your money and you'll be happier? Take your wife out for some amazing dinners with some of that money. Go on a vacation, enjoy it, invest it, get interest on it. Just wait. I feel so happy telling you, you don't need to buy any more games right now. They are making five 
thousand Willy Wonka LEDs. They will be making those for years. Do you need to have it right now? Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get it. The game's brutally hard. The clips aren't used very well, and you're going to get two golden tickets when you have the game of your life, and you're never going to get deep into the game because the game was designed to drain straight down the middle because it's an operator's dream, and there's and there's numbers on every part of the game because it's such a homage. Great job, Pat Lawler. You made a game for the target that is the opposite target of Jersey Jack Pinball. Woo who they need to hire me tomorrow Jack I would walk in there and help you guys part of marketing is knowing what your target wants and making what they want not just doing whatever you feel like doing that is how companies fail oh my god everyone thinks they're Steve Jobs everything's everyone thinks they're good enough to, to know what a customer wants before they want it I mean I think Jerry's got a little bit of that when he thinks about p3 but nope there actually is just very commonsensical marketing you need to do to make these things more successful. All right, everyone, have a great day. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Uh, I think I might be interviewing the Big Lebowski flipper on the next episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. If not, we'll keep doing what we do. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Richie Wrench. He's an awesome guy. I hope I can go visit his location one day and play his incredible collection. And that's what I love about this hobby the most. You know, beyond the play fields, beyond all the other stuff we talk about, the people in this hobby are awesome. And I just love each and every one of you that tunes in on a weekly basis to Canada's Pinball Podcast. It's much appreciated. Brenda appreciates it. Bubba appreciates it. We love you. And thank you for supporting the show all these years. We'll be back real soon with more episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast, not sponsored by This Week in Pinball. Come on, Jeff. What are you doing? What are you doing? Later. I'm not-